0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey,
1: everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So excited you decided to join us today. Uh, before we jump in, I'd like to give a big shout out to our two sponsors. First of all, Dr. Dish, the number one shooting machine on the market. You aren't going to find anything else like it. They are our sponsors because I own three of them. And I truly believe in this machine. I truly believe in the people that work there and the product. Uh, Mention Coach Unplugged and they will give you $400 off. Just say, Coach Collins sent me. To to pick an offense, if you're looking for anything, it's got it there for you. As I hit my microphone, oh well, um, it you know, and it also helps us pay the bills, helps us keep all these podcasts, um, the high school hoops and five minute basketball coaching podcasts, and funnel down and all these things free to you. Um, teachhoops.com is what pays the bills and keeps the lights on. So um, we'd love if you went over and check that out, and let's head off to the podcast. All right, welcome to Coach Unplugged episode. I have no idea. I have lost track we're in like the 700s coach so who knows when this will go up. So coach Moore I'm going to have you introduce yourself. Um I always do this with my with my podcast um guests. So coach Moore is going to introduce himself. I want you to tell people kind of your basketball journey and then kind of where you are right now and <laughs> you could you could throw in what we were talking about before we came on air about how your season ended too. We could end with that I guess. But um just kind of Give give people that are listening, you know, on the commute because people are commuting again, um, which is funny because my podcast. I'm am a stats teacher. My podcast March 13th were fine, but then by April they took a little dip because everyone everyone was at home and no one was commuting anymore. So now that everyone's commuting again, it's starting to go back up uh, to where, to where it was. So um, if you could just do that, that'd be great. Just kind of give everyone a, kind of a little background of of your coaching and playing resume thanks
0: all right so i started basketball as a little kid my dad was a high school coach so i you know we were in a tiny little town called winchester illinois and uh, central illinois the varsity boys gym was actually in the grade school so i would get done with school my mom taught in the school and i would walk you know, I'd walk down to practice and be there every day. And that's one of the things these schools that have taken away coaches' kids being able to be in the gym, which I've heard of. That drives me nuts. Well, how does
1: that, what do you mean, be in the gym?
0: I think there's some schools now that like they try to like reduce the number of kids that like so your yeah. kid can't be in there. And, but I grew up in the gym. Yeah. You know, I was lucky. My dad had a team in 1985, 86 team go to the state tournament. My brother in law, um, was the best player on the team. He, uh, I was in kindergarten, I think. Yeah. I was in kindergarten that year. So I got to take the day off of school. I grew up, you know, basketball junkie from that point on. Right. I, I was a marginal player and on a marginal team, you know, that, but I think a lot of times those are the best or a lot of the best coaches had average or below average careers. Right. I think it helped me understand why people don't get it or why people can't, you know, perform certain things. Um, I went to college just to be a student, you know, actually, I don't think anybody ever thought I was going to graduate college. So it was, a, it was, a plus. <laughs> I made it through college. The, um, but, uh, I went to Western Illinois, really did nothing with basketball for four years and, you know, moved up to the Chicagoland area after college and, I actually was a seventh and eighth grade girls basketball coach for one year. Begged my way on to a, uh, a staff of the local high school and just kept working and working, studying the game all the time. You know, I had Christmas tournaments. There was a really big Christmas tournament around, and I would every year I would be at all those – I would try to watch as many of the good teams, good coaches as I could. And, you know, then I switched jobs again. And was a sophomore basketball coach, you know, grinding it out. I think my first year as a high school coach, I was the freshman head coach, the sophomore head coach, and the varsity assistant. It was a small school. So I had like 90 games in one year. That's but great. but I'm
1: telling you though, it's a law of large numbers. You need to practice. Yeah. You know.
0: Absolutely. And you know, kind of moved around assistant jobs and then uh, like five people turned down this head coaching job at Plano, Illinois. And I, you know, I was younger and and (laughs) I took a major risk. I think I took like a $10,000 pay cut to be a varsity basketball coach. Um, And it worked out, you know, I, we had a really athletic team that, you know, could play different than everybody else in our area. And, you know, I just kept studying the game, you know, that my friends would be like, Oh, we're going to go out after the game. And I was like, Oh, I've got to go home and, at that watch time, film. I had to download the film onto the computer to be able to watch it, no. maybe break it down on YouTube. Right. And I think that was what I was doing until maybe my last year there. And we had a lot of success. And, you know, we, I, got a, I wanted to go to a bigger school. I moved into a school called Hinsdale South, which is where I'm currently at. We were one of the smallest schools in 4A, which is the largest class in the state of Illinois. We're now in 3A, which I thought was a great idea until the entire Chicago Catholic league went into 3A with us.
1: Hoop dreams. Hoop dreams. Yeah. Hoop dreams.
0: So (laughs) like last year we were the two seed and we would have been by far the one seed in our, if we had stayed in 4A and, uh, but you know, I've been, this would be my eighth year at Hinsdale South and, you know, it's, it's, uh, where is that located? It's a suburb. So we're, of Chicago. we're about two miles from cook County and we're okay. about 20 minutes from downtown Chicago. It's a, uh, we only have 1500 kids in our school. So we're about 500 kids smaller than anybody else in our conference. Okay. But, uh, we have a really good mixture of athletes, kids, you know, it's been, we've had a lot of success. I've been really lucky. Hensdale South had three Division One players in the 50 years of the school. I've had all three of them. Oh wow! So, yeah. yeah, and I, I wish I could tell you you know it was just because of my coaching uh, ability, but I was I've been lucky to have some talent. But we also have a program and a team where we have to be very adaptable. Like we play Proviso East, which is as athletic as anybody you're ever gonna see. Ever. I mean, it is a track meet. They their worst teams are almost harder to beat than their talented teams because right. they just attack you. Right. And then we have like a Morton High School that has eight thousand students in it, and you know that you can find a lot of talent out of eight thousand kids. That's right. And uh, but we've had to be very adaptable. I've had I had probably the most I had the best five man one year. We played through him. We had a kid, Zion Griffin, that went to Iowa State. It was just kind of get out of Zion's way. right? Now, this year was my best team, and it was was a team where we could kill you from the three-point line. We shot 41% from three as a team, and it was can we pass the ball. We had four guys that could shoot, knock it down, and a five-man that was really athletic, but he wasn't going to really post up. So, like, every year our team has had to change and be very adaptable. And I think dive that's into that me. dive
1: into that change a little bit
0: what 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 does that mean to you so like we take our summer basketball instead of installing offense. we have some basic things that we know we're gonna do no matter what, but we're evaluating like can can these where where are we gonna be best with this group of kids? you know can this guy really can this guy help us on a Friday night in a gym with two thousand people or is he a year away and that's you know offensively. You know, when we had Barrett Benson who went to Northwestern, we had kind of the Barrett Benson rule where we scored 1.5 points every time he touched the ball. So we tried to get as many possessions where he got the ball as possible. But a 6'11 center, you know, everybody's keying on that. It wasn't as easy as, you know, just give it to Benson. Oh, yeah, well, we hadn't thought of that, you know, give it to him. But um, so we we ran a lot of post – we ran everything through our post when we had him. I think we had maybe one other kid that could shoot this year. It was, you know, spin the ball, don't hold it for longer than a half a second, you know? And, and really, I think that's what's really made us good is we've had kids that will buy in like they're what we're, we're telling them like, Hey, you're just not going to play. So you might as well listen. You might as well buy in. Cause if, if you're not going to do it, you're going to sit on the bench for a right. whole year.
1: So what, so what did you do this summer? That you couldn't – if you couldn't evaluate, what? how did that – how does that work then?
0: Well, we study the game a lot, you know, as coaches. You know, where we're at, most of our kids are playing AAU, doing something. you know, one of my freshman coaches, a kid that played for me a couple of years ago, he would send me, you know, updates of, yeah, they were at the park playing. This kid looked good, you know, that okay. kid – you know, I've got two sophomores that started for me last year that have both grown about two inches. Ooh, one, good. one, you know, set our school record as a sophomore for threes. I'm just dying to get in the gym with these guys. Right. But, you know, I know. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's tough. And, you know, we were talking before this, we had about the most heartbreaking finish you can have. We were going to play a team that had knocked us out of the postseason a couple of years before. They've kind of had a stranglehold on our area of moving to the state tournament. And this was the first time I was like, you know what? We are more talented than them. We can beat them. Now you never know, you know, maybe right. we shot like 15% in Sad. the game, yeah. and, but we didn't get to play the game. I was pulling in the parking lot the night they were going to allow fans and, you know, it was going to be a sold out gym, a half an hour before the game. We got to play a sectional in our gym, which was going to be a major advantage. Right. And I get a phone call of, yeah, your game's been postponed today. And then uh, I go home and all of a sudden Rudy Gobert and Tom Hanks and all these people, you know, with names that you've heard of. Right. COVID. And, you know, I woke up in the morning. They're like, yeah, you're going to be able to play, but you're going to only have 50 fans. And then, you know, it just kept changing through the day. And unfortunately, a second time I had to go tell a team that was Mm -hmm. dressed, ready to take the court hey, guys, your career is over, you know, and and it was – How many seniors did you have? We started uh, – most of the year we started four seniors. I had one get hurt in our meaningless crossover conference championship game. Right. But then, you know, the kids – you know, we just kind of sat around and talked, you know, and, and uh, we went in the locker room for a little while, talked, and then one of my kids went out onto the court, Mid Court and just sat there for like twenty minutes, and people are like, You're going to go talk to him, like I want him to have this time and you know, and then his dad went out and talked to him, and he's lucky enough he's going to go play at a Division two powerhouse Lewis around oh, I know what
1: Lewis is that's in Chicago yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: and um he uh all of a sudden, my assistant coach puts it on Twitter, the photo from we have one of those cameras up in the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. that he puts the cam he puts the photo on Twitter next thing you know, like a day later, Scott Van Pelt's calling us and interviewing Billy and all this stuff. And it was all over the Scott Van Pelt show, which was awesome. You know, like that's, if there's any, you know, if there right. is a good thing you can say happened, you get, you hear them talking about how, you know, how sophisticated, how well of a speaker your kid is on national TV, which was awesome. But I think Billy would trade it, you know, in a heartbeat to go. I think a, a lot training. of kids, I know
1: there was, and, and, the th- and the funny part is a lot of kids were talking like, well, let's just postpone. Let's po-. like, I don't think, I don't even know if all of us understood it. I think I was probably farther along the curve no pun intended as far as knowing what was coming down the line. But um, yeah, it's, <laughs> that's just heartbreaking. Um, so let's talk about, let's talk about screening. I know you did some stuff for T Troops for screening. Let's talk about that. Um, why and what do you? Why do you think that's important?
0: All right. So I just started studying a couple of years ago, switching every screen on defense. Okay. So there's like nothing out there. Like nothing. We, it's
1: like it's like footwork too. I think screening and I think footwork are the two big holes. Do you think? I mean. Yeah. I mean.
0: Yeah. And you know we. We we used to have all these like we spent hours breaking down everybody's game film and memorizing everybody's plays all this, and we just and we were switching screens a lot to begin with. So then we wanted to you know we were like let's do this one through five let's switch almost every screen which we don't technically switch every screen we do have some rules right that we're not going to switch. But then I watched film you know a lot of Texas Tech stuff and. And we had a team this year we thought all five guys could emergency guard anybody. Right. But the real – the reason we wanted to start doing this and looking into it and why I started sharing is nobody does it, so it makes you different. And then instead of spending all this time on the other team, we thought it gave us a better chance to spend more time on our team. Right. And so we got to spend more time on offense. We got to spend – You know, we, I was talking about communication earlier. We spent a lot of our season of telling guys communicate and figure it out. Right. And the thing is,
1: I got to this, I got to this about, maybe it's old dogs. I got to this about three years ago because, and again, there are exceptions to rules and you're playing the, the, you know, the five-star blue chipper, we might handle a little bit different, or we might show, you know, whatever. There's some, there's, there's a few little tweaks we do. But you know why I like the switching all screens is, first of all, high school, and I love people always come back and say, well, they're gonna they're gonna po- post up your five nine point guard. I go, good luck. Like how many high high school kids, even the good ones, like we've coached a lot of D one guys, even the good ones have a hard time doing it. And then you got to get the pass in there, and they got to score. I mean. It just doesn't happen that easily.
0: <laughs> yeah, we caused more. I bet we caused more turnovers trying for teams trying to do that than anything right. else we did. I had a five nine. I mean, he was quick. I mean, he was lightning quick, but he was tiny. Everybody else was pretty big that we had, and and everybody would try to post him up. Well, they can't feed the post. He's quick. We front everything in the post. So then my kids know what's coming because we do the same thing at all times. So they're trying to throw a lob pass versus ball pressure. And here comes one of my guys just steals it. Time and after- I,
1: what I tell people, too, is the best passer to the post is probably the one getting posted up.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and that's. You know, you know, I know I know firsthand with having to have a post player touch the ball every time. I know how bad pass, post passing is. Right, you know? it's
1: bad. So and what I so I like that from that aspect. I also like that there's no question about it. Like when you're watching film, like there's no doubt that what should have happened
0: there. Like yeah. you know. And you know, I did a whole I think I did a 20 minute, you know, a video of what when you start to talk to coaches of why they don't switch every screen, all the yeah buts. Yeah, but they're gonna post your little guy. Yeah, they're gonna isolate your worst guy. Well, I go, well, okay, great. Now my good defenders are in help side, they're in help. Right. You know, you just get that guy to say, Hey, I'm going to make you at least take three dribbles to beat me. You know, that, so my my five man this year was a six-six athletic kid. And you do not have to have super athletes to do this by any means. But I'm like, okay, Aaron, you're not a great on-ball defender versus a guard, but you just got to buy us some time so we can rotate. You know, and, and teams would do that. They'd all of a sudden say, well, you know, my five can play point guard too, and they'd try to play him at point guard. And three turnovers later in the first quarter, you know, we're already winning nine to two, and they've right. gone to another strategy.
1: Do you see – do you see – um people trying to change to adjust you a lot
0: so everybody so we we tell the kids we're like we're doing this it disrupts their offense so that way they normally score off a screen that's not going to be open so they're going to have to do something else which is really hard for high school kids to do it makes them basically they just start going isolation and just start throwing up crap and you know we shot I think we shot 40 mid-range shots. I know you've, you're saying the mid-range is making a comeback. It
1: is. Don't you think it is? Um, don't you think? You know, there's a, don't you think there's a? Don't you think there's a spot for it? Like I bet yeah. your guys could have gotten a wide-open mid-range anytime they wanted.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I some of my best players have been unbelievable mid-range guys. I think it's you know the teams that are allowing anybody to shoot that mid-range shot. If it's in your arsenal. It's, it's awesome. Right. If it's, if it's 20% shot, you might as well have kicked the ball out of bounds and let us go set up our defense. Right. No, no. Yeah. So, so my
1: argument with this is, I don't think you should design it. I just think for, 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 especially for young coaches, you should start developing this in your youth programs. Like, cause it seems like everyone's shooting two types of shots right now. Yeah. And if you want like you switching, if you want an, a leg up, like like we shot a lot of threes, you shot a lot of threes this year. We could have gotten 15-footers whenever we wanted. Well, if you get to the point where you're shooting those 15-footers, like boom, 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 I don't know. I just think it's – I think it's an opening in the game that I have, I think, is getting bigger
0: and bigger. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've had, I've had three kids that I can think of offhand that they could shoot that shot at like 80%. From right, it's opening. a layup
1: it's like a yes. layup. It's like, that's what it's almost got to be like. It's got to be like shooting. Like if you would shoot that thing at 60, 70% clip. Okay. That's like attacking the rim and not getting fouled. We'll take that. I mean, that's where I think the opening is. I'm not saying people should run their offenses. Cause I'm a math teacher. I understand the, <laughs> I, I understand the, the, what's going on with the analytics and attacking and three point plays. I, I get that. I just, Offensively, I think the game has changed so much in the last five to seven years that there seems to be these big holes offensively.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I was thinking about that today when I was listening to a couple different podcasts. And, you know, everybody's spread hybrid offense now, but they take awful shots. And then they, they don't, you know, like they're watching these NBA games right now and they're all running five out, double drag. Well, that's great. But a high school player, and that's some – I have some stats that we go off of in these slides. That's about a 10% shot for a high school player to pull up and shoot a three off a ball screen. Right. And that's – and it's just – you know, it's one thing when, you know, Damian Lillard shooting and, you know, Steph Curry. And I know the kids all want to do that and they practice it. And you were saying the progression for a, a younger kid. I think that is a big thing of you're everybody's just running back to the three-point line. They need to spend more time shooting 12- and 15-foot uh, jumpers, improving their form. You know, I was at a Division I practice a handful of years ago, and they had, you know, a Big Ten point guard shooting jumpers at the elbow trying to work on his jumper. Right. Because he, he had finally gotten to the point where he couldn't just out-athlete people.
1: Yeah. And the thing it, is, it, I think, it's a, I think it's, it, it's a skill that, like, you're giving another bullet in the arsenal as far as that goes. I just – I don't know. It, it, it's no, one had, of my rants about, like – We had
0: Zion Griffin, who's went to Iowa State. Now he just transferred to UIC in Chicago. And his junior year, I mean, he could shoot anything he wanted from mid-range. And, I mean, we beat people just because he'd hit seven straight, you know, 12-foot jumpers. So we've done it when it, it does fit your game. But there was really nobody else that had the green light to shoot.
1: Right. No, and I'm not saying your whole team, and I'm not saying, but I just think, I think there's some kids out there that can, that could be, you want to stand out. If you want to stand out, especially in the world of recruiting right now, if you can, if you can hit the three, you got to still be able to hit the three. But if you can hit that, trust me, you're going to stand out. What do you, um, I've got a guy coming on for T-Troops, actually, that's going to talk John Wheeler, who's awesome. He's going to talk Princeton offense, and he's going to do, like, these three days of clinics and stuff. It's going to be awesome. Because that's what I've been diving into. Because the Princeton is not necessarily the slow-up offense. You know, when you watch Georgetown run and stuff. And the thing is, everyone's kind of running the same sets right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think you have to look to be a little bit different than everybody else. I think that's, well, that's,
0: that's why we liked this defense. You know, we could, we could be different than anybody else. We play in our, you know, we're in a 14 team conference and the team that we played in the championship, it's like a crossover. It doesn't really mean anything. And they play a one, two, two, where then they match up and go man to man. And, you know, people, it had to have been one of the most boring games to ever watch. It was like, 18 to 14 at halftime. But if you loved defense, you loved that game because we were both just dominant on defense in the game. You know, you couldn't get an easy pass. They spent like every other team, they tried to run everything off of slips, but good luck. If you don't slip all the time in your offense, you don't all of a sudden start slipping versus no. us. And do you and we do work you, on it every do you day. you think
1: the shot clocks come into Illinois?
0: You know, I hope so, but only if it's short. Like, it's not, if it's 35 seconds, it's not going to improve scoring. It's no. just going to make everybody a three-quarter court defense, push you into the back of it. I don't know what these people are watching. Like, I can count when I – I mean, I watch hundreds of games a year. Like the shot clock would never go off in any of these games. Right.
1: Because they're they're doing observational studies, is the problem. I know there's a push in Illinois right now. First of all, I don't think it's gonna happen right now because of money. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but it's like, yeah, I, I think you either gotta go, you know, if they're worried about the holding the ball kind of thing, trust me, if I'm not as good as you and I'm holding the ball, come get me. Come on. That's not a reason. Um, you're right. I personally think it should be – if we're going to have one, it should be uniform for everybody. Like, let's pick a time, and let's just start teaching kids how to do it. Like, if it's 30, let's just do 30 for everybody except the NBA. Everybody should do the same.
0: We played a team one time that had a kid transfer from Canada, and I don't know if this is true. I've never looked it up, but they told me they have an 18-second shot clock in Canada. Maybe
1: at the young kids. Maybe for the young – I mean – that would be awesome. Uh, well, well, first of all, if you if I if you do that, I'm just gonna press you. Yeah. I'm gonna take eight seconds off to get it over half court. And it's
0: scoring's not gonna go up because the people are already taking bad shots. If you have high school kids taking early threes, like I mean, that's one of the things we see all the time of these people are like, Yeah, I really opened up my offense. And young coaches a lot of times don't I don't think realize that one of the hardest things to do is to get your best players the best shots and right. your worst players the easiest shots right you
1: and know, the that's thing is, I, just thought, I just i just i anyway whenever i want to get something lively going on twitter i just bring up the shot clock i don't really care um i kind of i kind of pushed against it in wisconsin when they were trying to kind of ram it through and here's the only reason is they were going to do it only for varsity and i said so when I teach calculus, we're only going to teach them this in calculus, but we're not going to teach them down here in algebra. I said, I don't have a problem with shot clock, but then we got to do it everywhere. Like, so you're telling me my triple a and my double a and my single a teams don't get to work on it. But then when they become varsity players, they get to, I mean, that's the dumbest thing. That's why I was against it in Wisconsin. It was like, if we're going to do it, let's do it. Like let's, let's equip all the gyms. Let's, let's do it. Right. Um, I don't know. I just, I just think thinking think, people think it's a solution. I'm not necessarily sure it is. Do you want to share anything else with the the screening stuff?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, for the slides, I've, I tried to like over produce. A lot no, of it's stuff.
1: really good. You don't have to go through all the slides. I if people, yeah. yeah. It's on T-Tubes. Yeah.
0: And I just, I just wanted to get a lot of different topics in there and just kind of me going off, you know, on, you know, some tangents rants about different things and I put my email address. I'm I. I'd love to learn from some other people. Right. Answer questions. Somebody asked me a question about it, and I'm like, well, I've never thought about that. It you know makes me think why haven't I ever thought about and I, it? And
1: I think the deep dive on this thing too is this is what I've been trying to do in the in the COVID because there's so much stuff out there right now, and everyone's doing everything. Like you, like you, I've been working on like practice. I've been working on two or three things because otherwise it's too, it's like, Oh my God, I'm, I've been doing this for 30 years. It's like, this is just too much. The game's not
0: that complicated people. Well, and that's, (laughs) I think this really allowed us to uncomplicate the game and tell kids like ask, like, what did you see? What made you switch there? Right. You know, the communication stuff we we worked on simple communication every single day. And do you have
1: specific calls for switch, or do you, you so, they know they're always going to switch? when don't you switch? is probably so question.
0: some some simple things that we don't switch, like initial actions, so like team we played our best team besides us in our conference this year started every possession with pinned down screens. We exactly. were like, if we're, if we're matched up, good don't, don't switch it. If it helps our matchup, switch it. If somebody says switch, we switch no matter. So they, even they're, if they're, they're,
1: they're, You're letting them talk through that.
0: Yeah. I love that. And uh, okay. so we're trying to, you know, we do want to switch a lot of stuff, you know, and some of it, we just had to be adaptable. A team was really trying to isolate. Like they had four guards and a big and they were going to try to pick and roll my little guy at all times. And they were having some success we could just all of a sudden not switch it, you know, and we didn't want to do that
1: a lot. But how how often do you in practice work on the not switch?
0: So we start off every practice with a couple minutes of a communication drill and then a couple minutes of switching very aggressively because everybody's going to say, oh, it makes you lazy. No, we're contact switching. We're coming at you. Like, Yeah. Yeah. We'll and we're, not super, we're not super athletic, so I thought it gave us a really good opportunity to be aggressive and not go 84 feet. But, you know, when not switching, if a kid, you know, it, communication is a big deal. If they saw it, something that was an advantage not to switch, it was on them to call that out. We might say, you know, we'd come in and say, hey, these are the actions they are probably going to run against us. We'd rather not switch this or something like that. That gives them an advantage. We didn't mind the post, you know, a small guy getting posted up because, like we were talking about, they can't, they can't do that at very high rate. What about the but guard
1: we, on the big at the top of the key? So,
0: you know, some teams – So the big on the guard. Go-
1: the big on the guard. I said that wrong. The big, like a six six big on a 5'10 guard. How do you deal with that then?
0: So, you know, that's definitely something we saw some, and it's, you know, early help. You know, you, you know that this is a guy that's going to struggle versus this kid can score 30 points, and we talk about this in a lot of situations. We'd rather send two people their best player and leave somebody else open. It's like if, you, if you're going to make a mistake, and it's the guy that can hit a three coming off the screen and score 30 on you, we'd rather make a mistake of two guys going at him and somebody else. Like, we call it the three amigos. So if you have two guys in an action, the th- what are the other three guys doing? Right. You know, you know, the skip pass, we can get there. We can do that. You know, high percentage of skip passes are going into the crowd in high school. Right. But really what all this did was just turn teams into – like they'd go to throw the ball to the wing and we'd switch it and they're just used to throwing it to them. We'd pick it, go to the other end. Or they would just go ISO and shoot a mid-range jumper that they couldn't make at a very high rate, and I mean we shot forty mid-range jumpers on the season, and our opponents shot like two hundred and sixty. So we wow. like got them to shoot shots. They shoot the,
1: the shots are not used to too. Did you um? Do you ever double? Do you ever double out of the switch?
0: So we will do that, especially ball screens. That's our second defense that we're going to do. Obviously, the switch is number one on a ball screen. Okay. We'll double that. If, if we've got a kid that can beat us, you know, it's a tight game, and you know who's getting the ball. We talk about that. Good, good position to double. Yeah, I, li- that- I
1: like doubling the ball screen. And you know, the reason why is now, – now, we're not talking about the 5 10 percent kid that has the ball in his hands. We're talking about the rest of them. But they it's hard for them to get the ball out of that and then score. Like, that's a hard pass.
0: You know, we a couple of years ago we were playing a team that had a really good ball screen action that we just didn't think we could stop. In our game plan to start the game, we were not a good doubling team. We're just going to fire double hard. Right. The first three possessions. If it doesn't work, excuse me. If it doesn't work, you know they're going to score. They threw the ball away three times. Quit running that play, and we were only going to do it three times the whole game. Right. And it just totally, you know, it worked. And, you know, it, uh, I think there's a lot to that. If you can double a ball screen, one of the things I have in there is one that I'm studying and working on. So you come, they come off the ball screen, and we just try turning them back to the guy that was guarding them, kind of like how you turn a dribble hand off back I to them. like him that. Yeah. And just turning them right back. And here comes that guy that was guarding him. And he's maybe trying to throw it to the roll guy or something, and now we have a double team coming right into his face. Because I think ball screen defense, a lot of the best thing you can do is just change what you're doing. You know, if you're hard hedge and recover, and they're killing you on it. Hey,
1: everybody, hope you enjoyed the podcast. Make sure you subscribe and like, leave a review. We love those five-star reviews. We're going to leave a one-star. You can skip to the next podcast. Also, go over and check out ttubes.com for coaches who want to get better.